You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. He drafted about two-thirds or, or signed about two-thirds of the Toronto Argonauts as well. So the idea that they've populated two full franchises in this league. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Cura. That's Grey yeah. Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hook! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Travis Curra. Brazilian tie is off for the next few episodes. I want to say that this is the rest of our West Division preview. We talked to Morley Scott last week to cover the Edmonton Elks, but today, talking to Luke Mullinder, CFL analyst and color commentator for 620 CKRM in Regina to talk riders. Zach Schnitzer with BonfireSports.ca to talk bombers. Ryan Ballantyne with Horseman Radio and 3downnation.com to talk stamps. And Matt Baker, manager of communications and content with the the BC Lions. That covers the Western Division. It'll be longer than normal. And also, this episode, I should tell you, was recorded before training camp was over. Should add that just in case some changes may have hit without it being covered in this Podcast. Our West Division preview is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. And joining the show to preview the back-to-back Grey Cup champions, Zach Schnitzer from bonfiresports.ca. I see that smile on your face. How you doing, man? <laughs> And I, I hope it's not like a smile where you're looking at it and you're like, I just want to wipe that smile <laughs> off that bugger's face. It's a genuine like, holy crap. Like we won twice. I was there for both. And then yesterday, Matt, I opened up my replica ring that the Bombers gave. I'm showing it to you right now. I open it up. I make my wife take a video of me opening it. I'm like in tears. The first thing out of her mouth is like, that is absolutely hideous. <laughs> And so I brought it to work because I have a couple of them. I brought it to work and I'm showing it to my colleagues and the women and like not to generalize, but the women I work with, they're like, why are you wearing that? That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, you don't get it. It's what it means. (laughs) I I think part of that smile is that the Bombers are back-to-back champs and how how do you feel about prospects of a three-peat here? Oh. Honestly, like, so when, when I work with Darren bombing, he took, he took me on like a, like a little sad orphan that I was. And he's like, <laughs> all right, this guy maybe has some chops. And uh, we looked at the depth chart for 2022. And I asked him on the show, uh, do you think this team can compete? Is it as good as the 2021 team? And he said, absolutely. It is. There's talent to burn. I'm no Ryan Valentine. Shout out to Ryan. Yeah. Bell. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you the Bombers are going to go 18 and 0 and win the Grey Cup because there's. It's just the parody this year because the Elks and the Red Blacks are not going to be bottom feeders, man. Mm-mm. Like I think. I think the East is actually going to be better than the West for once, but uh, which will allow the Bombers to sort of make up for maybe any shortcomings because I think the other West teams aren't quite as strong. But I will say, like, I'm worried about a couple things for the Bombers. Like, I think our offense is fine. We've got Kolaris. By the way, it's Kolaris, not Caleros, everybody. Okay. Not Caleros. Darren Barming and I talked. This was the biggest. You thought CBA was a controversy? (laughs) Yes. I've heard Um, rumblings of Kolaris in the past, but it never really (laughs) caught on. We need to make that a priority. Yeah, like hashtag Kolaris. 
<laughs> Hashtag say it right. By the way, you said my last name right, which was pretty freaking awesome. Awesome. Um, like like the offense, you know, you've got Claris, you've got that O-line, which is championship grade O-line. You lost Desjardins to the, the Patriots, but Gray and then, to a, you know, maybe even Dobson steps in there, right? So the O-line is going to be fine. Uh, we all know Andrew Harris left uh, and it was messy, but you've got Oliveira and Augustine, who, by the way, now has a uh, first preseason game. He had a 7.2 yard per carry average last year and you're shaking your head because that's nuts. The preseason game, he had a nine-yard average. And I know it was preseason, but, like, I think the Elks starting defense was out there for some of that game. So he's a guy who excites me. And then you throw in Ellingson. we still got Walatarski, Dembski, and Bailey. There was that whole rigmarole with Saunders, which I won't get into. But but you've got some guys that have really stepped up uh, in training camp. Uh, Dalton Schoen is one guy from Kansas State. He's got some good size. He caught a touchdown. He's looked good in camp. And BJ McIlvain, who's got a great name. So looking to see what he can bring in. And Brendan O'Leary Orange, son of one Doyle Orange, who apparently played for the for the Argos. Another great name. <laughs> Isn't that an is like like CFL names are, are, they are, are the best. best. <laughs> like we've got another guy in the bombers named Wop Filer. Like oh. W H O P, and and they call that. him Big Whopper or Burger King. Like hello, um, from so, Kenny the King to the Burger King. I like right it. <laughs> Kenny the King Lawler. Dunnigan loved Kenny the King Lawler. Right, give me some Kenny the King Lawler. Um, <laughs> so the offense should be just fine. I think the actually the offense will hum. I think they'll be our strength, which is funny because we're talking about the Bombers. It's usually defense, but but listen. I'll get. Let me get into the special teams first, Travis. Ali Mortada stunk last year, and he was that was a worry, right? He was booed, but but the Bombers can handle it because they were blowing teams out. So yeah. okay, like instead of beating you by I don't know twenty four, we beat you by eighteen. Big deal, right? But you, everybody knows if 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 Ali Mortada or Mark Leggio played in the Grey Cup. We are not back-to-back champs, and it's probably not even close. I think we lose that game by two scores. If you add in the singles and the punting, like he didn't, Sergio didn't punt, but like, you know what I mean, right? Like he hit five field goals. He hit every point after the singles. The, the, the reason, one of the reasons I think the Ticats lost is they couldn't punt against the wind in that fourth quarter where mm-hmm. Jamie Whitford, he whiffed on two of them, right? So you give the Bombers, we're down by 12, some excellent field position. So Ali Mortada, but you know what? He's a good dude. And, uh, I, I have, I, I feel for him. He had his job taken away. He was humiliated. He took, uh, bombing says he took five CFL footballs down to Arizona and all he did was kick all off season. Wow. Now the funny thing is, he used the wide hash marks to practice oh. and then they narrowed them on him. So now he's got the narrow hash marks and he can kick straight. By the way, his kickoffs are really good uh, average wise, but he don- he dinged one off the post on Friday night. And let me tell you, there were some bomber fed. You looked like there was like ants in their pants. <laughs> Not again. Like, eh, oh boy. <laughs> You don't ding one off the post, buddy. Come on. So I'm looking for him tonight. And 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 Legio, as we all know, has the record for accuracy in U sports, 92% field goals. But he's a young kid. Yep. And, like you know, it's, there's a lot of pressure, you know, in places like Regina and Winnipeg, Edmonton. Like, it can get in your head fast. And he struggled last year, too, with field goals. So I'm a little worried there uh, for special teams. And then you got you got the killer Mike Miller still there. Yeah, you got Janari and Grant. You know that O'Shea Walters and Wade Miller will uh, and uh, Paul Boudreau Jr., who always has a toothpick in his mouth for some reason. Razor um, Ramon. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Scott Hall. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love the toothpick. You you know that those guys are going to find those depth Canadians like Tanner Cadwell Otter and all you know these guys yeah. who are Canadian studs like Shane Gauthier who rescued the Bombers in the 2019 West Final like somehow caught Nick Marshall like I don't know I don't know if like he he quickly pulled out some like I don't know speed out of his out of his pocket and just popped it because like I don't know how he caught Nick Marshall but you've got those guys so so that's going to be fine uh, Janarian Grant's a great returner. But the defense, I, 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 I like. I, I feel funny saying this, Travis, but the bomber defense, I'm a little concerned. We lost Stephen Richardson, right? Uh, we lost Jonathan Congbo. We lost DeAndre Alford, who was an absolute stud rookie, yeah, right. 
And, and so, okay, uh, at the beginning of the season, you're thinking, okay, you know, we've got, we've got uh, Nick Taylor, we've got Winston Rose, we've got Brandon Alexander, who's injured, but he'll be back. You know, you've got those guys. And, uh-oh, Mercy Maston goes down again. And, and, and if you're a CFL fan, you know how important that dime back spot is. Yeah. You've got to cover in the, you've got to cover as a DB and then you've got to play the blocks and stop the run. And especially with the hash marks, it'd be interesting to see how that works. So Mastin's, I think he's done for the year. People were wearing his Jersey the next day in training camp. Wow. Like that's bad. And Mastin was huge for us. Like you think about that Western semifinal in 2019, he, he was in. Bo Levi Mitchell's kitchen. He, he took away all the underneath stuff and then he and then he picked him off to seal that game. Uh so Mastin's down. So Donald Rutledge Jr. is gonna fill in. Uh he's slated to. So it'll be interesting. He's an American, he has no CFL experience. And so hold on, like, how's that gonna go? I don't know, man. And then and then as I said, Steven Richardson's gone. So who's in the middle? Who's gonna plug that they had? They had the advantage of having Drake Nevis there yeah. and then Richardson. He didn't even miss a beat. He was even better maybe at stopping the run. So who's there? You've got Jake Thomas. And then you've got Cole Adamson, a guy who we're excited about because he's a Manitoba boy. He's a run stopper, but he also had a sack the first preseason nice. game. And that was the biggest cheer of the whole game <laughs> from IG Field. Is apparently Bombing told me apparently they used to call him Mr. Adamson growing up, even when he was like – like seven or eight or something <laughs> because he was so big and they would be like, Hey, Mr. Addison, how's the wife and kids? And he'd be like, I don't know. What are you talking about? So I'm just going on and on like a, like a freight train. Feel free to interrupt. Well, me. You basically uh, just answered all of my questions. So uh, <laughs> let's, uh, I, I think last year and everybody kind of saw it coming that there was no preseason, you know, shortened training camp. That the Bombers had the most continuity, that they were yeah. going to come together as a team instantly. So this year, the preseason games, the training camp, but it still feels like they have that core together. I, I totally, I can't just leave the Andrew Harris thing alone. Like, <laughs> of course you can't, Travis. Insert bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Uh, well, I'm not going to do it like uh, joke yeah. here. Oh, Ty would. If Ty was on here, yeah, he'd yeah, be merciless. Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, he goes back to Manitoba. It's uh, his hometown. He he's with the Bombers for five years. He wins two Grey Cups, and football can be a thankless business. But yeah. the the two young stud running backs behind him kind of made it inevitable. It, this, doesn't make it any easier. Is there Augustine or Oliveira? Is Augustine going to be getting the sh- bulk of the carries or is this going to be a 50 50 thing? That's it. That's, I mean, that's the question, right? Like, that's what everybody's asking. And, and what I've heard a lot is that it's going to be running back by committee. Mm. I don't know if that's just a safe answer, but both of them have looked really good. I see personally Oliveira as sort of a or more of an Andrew Harris clone. He runs at a low pad level. He's a load to bring down. He even showed the patented Andrew Harris spin move yeah, in the preseason. Yeah. But then you've got Oliveira, who's who I or sorry, uh, Augustine, who I see as more of a burner, and, and and he can like he can hit, he can rip big chunk plays. I can't on believe you. he was undrafted. I know. It doesn't I know. make sense to me. <laughs> I think the guy, you know, I may be wrong here, but, and I know, you know, the, the, the average yards per carry as sparkling as it is, it doesn't always mean everything stats, you know, there's stats and stats and damn lies or whatever that quote is. But uh, I, I see Augustine as uh, for me, he excites the crap out of me, not no disrespect to Oliveira. So I personally see Augustine, I see them both playing. I see Buck Pierce like rubbing his hands together, mm. being like, <laughs> and then you throw the two quarterback thing in. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Prukop in there and like the defense nice. can be like, we might as well just stand still, let them score a touchdown. Cause like, I don't know where the ball's going and whoever gets it is going to be good. I'm, I'm being totally, I'm making fun of Ryan Valentine. And here I am like, <laughs> we're going to score 50 touchdowns, but like, both of them are good. That's all I want to say. And then you got Kyle Borsa, who's a who's yeah. a young stud uh, from Regina. So I think he's from Regina, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he's a backup uh, running back Canadian. So 
I don't know. I think they both can carry the load and they both will. And we will see. Okay. Who what else comes. on the offense? Darvin Adams, longtime bomber. Now in Ottawa, yeah. Kenny Lawler in Edmonton. Now I know you got Greg Ellingson down season in Edmonton last year. Yeah. Is, is a guy like Rasheed Bailey going to break that a thousand yard plateau yes. and have a breakout for the bombers? I, I'm not just saying this as a homer, although, like, of course, I'm a homer. Yeah. I talked. I talked to someone inside the team, and he only talked to me because I bought him like three beers. So it's not like he's <laughs> like, "Oh, Zach, I got inside information for you. You're special." It's like, uh, I guess I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a morsel. Hey, beer's not cheap, man. No, it's not. It was Transcana <laughs> Brewing. I don't know if you've been good beers. Ooh, um, nice. Uh, he said that Bailey like. This guy worked for another team last year, and he said Bailey caught the eye, and Bailey was in high demand if he was going to hit free agency, Travis. Okay. Because, because of his trajectory. Like, he's just gotten better and better and better. He's got speed. He can run, you know, he can run the sweep. He can, he can go up and get 50-50 balls. But what it, one of the things that really impresses uh, people, according to this guy, who's an expert next is no, like I don't, I never played football. I just watch it. But he said he's got great body control and he always seems to be able to catch the ball at the top of the arc, which is important when you're yep. jumping up for those long balls. Right. And so you saw it in the, even in the great cup, like Zach will just toss him a ball and like, go get it, buddy. There was one. And, uh, and speaking of catching them at the apogee, there was one where he caught it right off the turf. So the guy's got, the guy has got some serious talent, body control, great hands. I see him. He's, uh, I, I think he'll be playing the boundary side. He'll be playing the boundary okay. side wide receiver. And Zach, and then here's the other thing. As you know, football is interdependent, right? You don't just talk about one guy without another. We know that now with the hash marks, we keep talking about the field side. Like you're nodding your head, right? Like that boundary side is even more wide open. Oh, got, yeah, and if you're playing is. one-to-one coverage or something, or or you get Bailey running free, holy Dinah, he's got he's got more yards to use. And then Zach Claro says, We know he loves the Kolaris. Look at me. Like you know <laughs> he loves to scramble to his right. You know, he yeah. and, he, and he's great at escaping pressure. He under pressure, he was the least sacked quarterback. So Kolaris. And Bailey, I see big things along with Ellingson. But yeah, Bailey, excite. I'll tell you one thing, though. I was at the Great Cup. <laughs> we were down on row one, of course, partying with the with the with the uh, players, and they were giving us high fives. I see a guy that runs up there. He's holding the Great Cup, uh, and I'm like, "Is that Rashid Bailey?" Oh wait, he's got a gray beard. It was Rasheed Bailey's dad. <laughs> oh, he is literally a Rasheed Bailey clone, like with the gray took, beard. <laughs> if you took Rasheed Bailey and like dyed his his beard gray, this guy is going to age so well. The dad is probably at least twenty years, thirty years older. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, of course. Can we put Rasheed Bailey at the Y spot, like, and his dad at the X and or Z? Like, let's go. So yeah, Bailey. I'm expecting big things from Bailey. He's he's been a real find. It's a, it's a funky schedule. The Bombers don't play a Western team until week five, but I think uh, going a long way to decide the uh, the playoff positioning is going to start on Labor Day. The Riders and the mm-hmm. Bombers have uh, three games in four weeks. <laughs> oh, the Bombers yeah, have had a difficult time uh, jumping the, the, the Bomber hurdle. Uh if they can, it'll go a long way for them in a great cup year. Oh, yeah. But those matchups are going to meet a lot in September. Yeah. And I, I know we're almost in June. We're in June. Uh, but I'm looking forward to September, man. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be. I mean, that's the best time. Aside from playoffs and great cup. Yeah. If yeah. you happen to make it that far, like. Like those games are nail biters and, and everybody's stoked, man, for the back to back. And then when you have three and four weeks, the bad blood just gets badder, right? Zach Schnitzer, bonfiresports.ca. Thanks for coming on to talk bombers, brother. Hey, anytime back at you. We'll get you on a bonfire. If only just to show off that big beard, man. Yeah, that's it's a beauty. It's my greatest asset. Yeah, and say hi to Ty, will you? I will. (laughs) Okay, brother, thank you. (laughs) 
And joining the show to talk Stampeders football is Ryan Ballantyne of Horseman Radio. You've probably seen him, his stuff at 3downnation.com as well. Ryan, thanks for coming on to talk red and white. How great is it to be back finally talking about football for real again uh, in, the, in a real season with 18 games and everything else? It's just so good to be back. Man. I've thanks talked to several other people. It almost seems like last year's season was a bit of a mulligan. Like it was just, it was just there. <laughs> we're, we're happy it happened, but. <laughs> yeah, I feel like any season where the Blue Bombers are the champions, we're just going to call that a mulligan season anyway. Hey, I agree. You know, like they, they were the champions from like, you know, 2019 all the way until now or whatever it was. And we're just, you know, that that's one long chance. Whatever happened in the middle, it was just like kind of that, you know, where you get together with friends and, and hang out, but it's not like a party, you know, like now we're, now we're having a party again, you know, like, like it was that breakfast the morning after where you're just like, yeah, I guess this is a, but now we're back. Yeah. Now this yeah. is a, a real party. Again. So, uh, yeah. Acknowledging it was a shortened year last year, but last year, and there was only one team that had double digit wins, but it was the first time the stamps didn't host a playoff game since 2011. They got off to the slow start, and I know you're predicting an 18 and 0 season in 2022. What's the feeling surrounding the team heading into this year? I think there's there's optimism, of course, because of uh, you, you've got another off season for Bo Levi Mitchell's shoulder to have healed. And when you look at what they were able to do in the back half of that season last year, they did go six and two in the last eight games. Yeah, you know, and and they were the youngest team in the CFL last season. They had more rookies than ever before. A lot of those guys are back on the field this year. Um, and so they were able to bring back a lot of the starters as well. You've got your Kitty Carey. You've got Reggie Bagleton, Kamar Jordan on the offense. Uh, Falaron Oramalade is healthy um, on the defensive end, which was a struggle last year to find somebody after everybody went down in camp. So, uh, I mean, they even took Sean Lemon off of the – the COVID list from Edmonton. That's how bad it got here in Calgary. And, and Sean Lemon played incredibly well, Yeah, but they had to find somebody that was on the COVID reserve list just to get through games last year. So, um, you know, when you look at what they were able to do in the back half of the season, they were incredible. Uh, and I, I think, you know, another year's experience for a lot of these guys and being able to hit the ground running, they may not have the struggles that they faced uh, in that shortened season. Is Bo's shoulder the biggest question mark? I think I saw at the beginning of camp, he said he'd been throwing pain-free for several months now. As all signs point to him being healthy? Yeah. Uh, from all reports I'm getting out of camp, he's the best quarterback that they have um, in camp. Uh, he's he's showing out day after day. Um, you know, the, the, the first series, couple series he had, you know, in that first preseason game where we're a little sketchy, you know, uh, three, three possessions, three turnovers, uh, one on downs and two interceptions. But that's what the preseason is for. You figure out where guys are going to be. And, and uh, you know, with, with respect to Colton Hunchak, you know, he wasn't throwing those balls to Reggie Bagleton or Kamar Jordan. Um, you know, he was trying to find Colton Hunchak in the end zone. So uh, I think it, it's just a little bit of a, a different animal and, We'll 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 certainly see what the what the regular season brings when they've got time to build a rhythm. Um, but yeah, obviously Bo's Bo's health is it has been the big question for everybody for this Stampeders team. If Bo is healthy, they're going to be great. If they're if he's not healthy, Jake Mayers certainly showed well yeah. in limited time. Um, but we'll we'll see whether or not uh, uh, Bo can stay healthy, and if not, uh, what Jake Mayer can do. Do you think people forget about the back half of last season for the Stampeders? I, I just get this sense that they're kind of getting overlooked a little bit. I, I've seen this chatter that the offensive line may may struggle, and I've seen Derek Dennis rebuke that on on Twitter, but they do have a young line. He's the elder statesman at 33 years old. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but... I feel like they're getting overlooked. Third tour of duty for Derek Dennis here. Yeah. And uh, and let's not forget, every time he's played in Calgary, he's gone on to sign a good-sized contract somewhere else. 
because everyone's like, look at what Derek Dennis can do in Calgary. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a testament, I think, to the Calgary coaching staff and, and how they're able to coach these guys up and, and see what looks they're able to do. And, and, you know, Derek Dennis is a very talented offensive lineman. I uh, combined him with the right coaching and he won most outstanding offensive lineman a couple of years ago uh, and, and was an all-star the last time he was here. Um, so the idea was uh, they didn't want to bring him back, but uh, because of the cost of him, but from what I understand, he's on a very team friendly contract uh, to come back and play. And, uh, and in talking to him, he said that uh, the Stampeders where he always should have been. Um, because if he was on the Stampeders through his entire career, he might have more of those trophies on the mantle at home. Um, but to the team in general, yeah, seventh in the power rankings. Seventh. That does not make sense to me. There are, there are people that I work with professionally in the CFL that think the Stampeders are going to miss the playoffs this year. And that just flies in the face of all logic that we've ever seen. You know, like every single year we get together in the preseason and everybody across the country says, this is the year that Calgary finally <laughs> falls <true>. off. <laughs> this is the year that Huffnagel's magic. He can't possibly replace these guys over and over and over again. And then what happens? Double digit wins, the, play, the Stamps holds a playoff game, and they're a great cup contender. Every single year, we've been we've been singing from this hymnal since 2008. We continue to do so 14 years later. Um, the day Huff misses the playoffs, come back to me and, and talk to me for sure. But you know, if not for if not for a truncated season last year, they end up hosting a playoff game. The the way they were rolling in the back half, for sure, they'd come out on top and they end up in second place. They're hosting a playoff game and, and who knows what happens then. Well, and Dickinson even kind of indicated that at the beginning of the year, that they're going to take some time to gel. And they yeah. did. He, he yeah. wasn't lying. But no, I, I look at the roster and they've got an all-star at every single position. The, the quarterback, they arguably the best running back in the league at Kadeem Carey, Jordan and Bagleton at receiver. Are you kidding me? Healthy on the defensive line, Mike Rose, Jameer Thurman, Trey Roberson. Like I look at that roster and they have the, the potential to be destroyers and top Winnipeg, which we've been waiting for since, you know, 2019. Yeah. I think, I think if you're sleeping on the Stampeders, you're not going to sleep very comfortably. Uh, I think at this point, like, I, I really, I really do. I mean, there was no preseason last year, and the yeah. Stamps, again, were the youngest team in the league. So did yeah. it take them time to find consistency? Absolutely it did. Bo Levi Mitchell lost most of his receivers heading into last year. The only guy, Kamar Jordan wasn't even really healthy to start right. last year. And then they got Bagleton back towards the back half of the season, and all of a sudden, they go on this huge run because they get one guy that Bo was comfortable with. One guy that Bo had chemistry with. And all of a sudden the Stamps are just winning games like crazy. So I, I think if, if people think that the Stampeders are done, um, I mean, yes, please, please. Vegas, uh, Vegas bookmakers especially believe that Calgary is done. <laughs> that's a great way for me to make some money. Talk about the the linebacker pipeline. I, I think it went Alex Singleton and then Corey Greenwood, who I think a lot of people thought was done, but he did well in Calgary. And then Darnell Sankey. Now it looks like Jameer Thurman's going to move into the middle. They just got a pipeline of linebackers. Well, now you got, uh, um, what's his Here's name? The judge. Yes, exactly. Cameron Judge joining uh, joining the fold as well. Yeah, it's going to be Thurman at the middle linebacker spot. Um, you know, when he played uh, alongside Alex Singleton, he ended up uh, he was in the will, and he ended up going to uh, he ended up going to the NFL out of that spot. Um, Jameer Thurman is is a dark horse right now for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I think if you if you look right now, Jameer Thurman could be Defensive Player of the Year this year. Um, that system, the defensive system. Of, of Brent Monson funnels guys to the middle. It funnels the mm -hmm. action to that middle linebacker. And Jameer Thurman, when Alex Singleton was, was you know, chalking up 100 and some odd tackles here for the St. Peters, Thurman was right there with, with 89, 90 tackles. He's kind like, of underrated, I see. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's he's been the he's been the guy that's been beside the guy here in Calgary for a long time, uh, and now he's got a chance to be the guy. And Cam Judge is no slouch. I mean, Saskatchewan fans are familiar uh, with with what Cam Judge can do, and and uh, you know we we think he's a valuable addition. I mean, really, when you think about it, the Stampeders got him for for Royce Mechie, who wasn't going to sign yeah. here anyway. So they traded a, a restricted free agent. Um, or a, a, a pending unrestricted free agent for a guy that that is going to be a starting linebacker in the middle of the defense as a Canadian. Uh, I think that was a, an absolute um, steal of a trade for the Stampeders to, to get Cam Judge and be able to sign him before he hit the open market. So the Stamps are notorious for developing, you know, within. They're not the biggest spenders in free agency. Are there any... New guys to look for here that could be having a breakout season. I, I, I always see these receivers that, you know, they end up having big plays. Like Sean Bain had the big punt return uh, in the first preseason game. But he contributed last year as well. Is this guy going to be on the field uh, every game? Well, that's the interesting thing because, of course, you've got Malik Henry as well. Yeah. And Malik Henry on the other side from Sean Bain, either one of them, whichever one of them is in the game, both of them have the opportunity to step into that role. Um, you know, you look at the guys that came in and, and really kind of rough ran roughshod in that first preseason game with the, the backup running yeah. backs, uh, you know, with Logan and Mills. And, and Mills, I mean, he just pounded that line at 220 pounds and, and he got in there and, and could really add that, that thunder to lightning um, that you've got in Kadeem Carey. I mean, the ability for the Stampeders to find replacement players yeah. is unparalleled <laughs> in the CFL. It's so good. Like Huffnagel and his scouting staff are so good that they've put two franchises that are championship <laughs> contenders together in the league right now because not only did they they draft the entire Stampeders team, they drafted about two-thirds or, or signed about two-thirds of the Toronto Argonauts as well. So – the idea that they've populated two full franchises in this league <laughs> to say that to, to come back out, like, you know, I, I, again, don't Calgary. I dare you bet against them every week. If you like throwing away money, I, I think it's, it's a fantastic idea for, for raising money for the government uh, and whatever <laughs> they do in charitable endeavors to just every week sign into that sports book app and say, Oh, I'm not interested in the Calgary Stampeders. What are they going to do? They're going to cost you money. Um, that's what's going to happen. Do, do we need to pour one out for the big center field speaker at McMahon? Man, it was weird. I, I saw it pictures. It didn't weird. look like McMahon. <laughs> no, no, it was real weird. The sound, look, was the sound quality of that speaker great by the end? No, it was not. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, but the speakers they put up this week, the individual speakers sounded better, but the sound wasn't better because they've got them in all four corners. And so you're getting kind of a muddled yeah. delay in the audio, right? Like I sit on one side of the stadium, so you'd hear everything from that speaker, but then you'd also hear like a little bit of a, a an echoing reverb kind of deal from the other side of the stadium. And it just, it didn't sound as good. It wasn't as sharp. It wasn't, you know... Um, it lost a little bit of character. I'm not going to lie. I was yeah. a little upset to hear it was coming down. Uh, you know, I mean, look, if that's step one to the entire stadium coming down and us getting a new one, I accept. I accept. If, if, if the fans just go, you know what, without that speaker, we're just going to have to build something new. Um, I'm fine with it. But yeah. uh, but in the short term, it was really weird. Like just stepping out at McMahon, it almost felt like a road game. You know, right. I was just like, oh, the, the speaker's not there. The the cables that you could see, you know, those giant thick yeah. cables holding the speaker up and, and everything else. I was just like, ah, it's not it's not the same. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. The uh, Calgary Stampeders open up their season at home against Montreal uh, on Thursday. Uh, they're going to be in Hamilton and then home to the Edmonton Elks on June 25th. That, well, actually a home and home with Edmonton in the summer. That, uh, that's new. Yes. Yeah, that, that's definitely an unfamiliar feeling. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been the last several seasons. Uh, we haven't seen the Elks until Labor Day. 
Yeah. Um, you know, or, or, you know, the, the former franchise that we dare not speak its name. Um, <laughs> we haven't, we haven't seen the Elks since, uh, it, you know, we normally see them at Labor Day. You see them in the Labor Day rematch and then you see them one more time down the stretch. Um, so the idea that we get them two times in the summer is kind of crazy. Hopefully that encourages Elks fans to come down the highway, buy some tickets, you know, fill the end zones at McMahon like they used to do back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for what the Elks have done as a franchise. Um, but, you know, they it's still Edmonton. Suck. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, I would curse on this podcast, but I, I don't know that <laughs> Ty would be okay with it. Um, but I, I think at, at the end of at the end of the day, I mean, obviously, I wish them all the success off the field, and and what the the incoming team has have done has been incredible uh, to revitalize mm-hmm. the interest in the franchise. Um, I just hope that they continue to be terrible on the field, and uh, I have no doubt that Chris Jones will make it that way. You know, he'll he'll whatever he's he's signed a a kicker to play defensive back. He's signed a you know I'm sure that'll come down the pipe this season. I think he signed every wide receiver over the age of forty that he could find and then cut them all before camp. Um, so I'm not sure what that, what that was about. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, I, I just, I'm really looking forward to this uh, two games on the road to start the season. Um, you know, it was also good, I think for the team to be able to bond in that way, you know, it, it's yeah. a different experience when you head out on the road. And, and again, you know, when you're talking about taking the time to gel and taking the time to, to really get together as a squad, being out on the road for two games certainly doesn't hurt. Um, you know, are the are are the stamps going to come banging out of the gates this year? Maybe, maybe not. I, I think they got a really good shot against Montreal. Uh, the Hamilton game is probably a tougher one, uh, but then you've got that that two game win bonus of playing the Elks twice. So, um, you know, it's not going to be it's not going to be too bad. Uh, you know, if you get to Labor Day in that that five hundred range again, you can gel and and hit the hit the afterburners the rest of the way home and and take the Grey Cup. Ryan Ballantyne of Horseman Radio, a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network and 3downnation.com. He writes stuff on there. It's good to see your face, and I can't wait to see you at the stadium, my man. Oh, it's going to be an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And uh, and when you come down, you need to let us know so that you can make an appearance in the basement. And joining the show today is the manager of communications and content with the BC Lions, Matt Baker. Thanks so much for taking the time to get us set for the 2022 season on the West Coast. Yeah, Travis, great to be here. Love the show, uh, but I hope the title is not indicative of (laughs) our offense this year. But no, glad, glad to be here. Always love talking Lions football. 2022 will be Amar Doman's first full season as the owner of the Lions, and one Republic's going to be at the season opener on June 11th. What's the feeling in Vancouver going into the first full season since 2019? I say night and day, Travis. Um, You mentioned Mr. Doman, and that was... (laughs) We'll backtrack a little bit. I mean, last year was all about getting back on the field and, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure everyone was healthy and testing negative and, you know, making sure we could make do with whatever many fans were allowed inside BC Place. And and then all of a sudden, the days leading up to that home opener in week three, it was against the Edmonton. Um, we found out uh, we had uh, a new owner coming in. Yeah. And, uh, it's been great. Breath of fresh air. Um, this is a man who's local, passionate about the club, deeply rooted. Uh, his family in the business community, been involved uh, in building materials uh, for decades. Uh, for He's like the second or third generation uh, doing the family business, uh, future a corporation. So, and yeah, it, w- it was kind of talked about throughout the off season that we really wanted to make this home opener coming up on June 11th, uh, something that we won't soon forget. And, um, and I can tell you not really being involved in the planning from the beginning because it was kind of tight lipped and, mm-hmm. and kind of kept quiet. But once we, once we figured out what was going on, it's like, wow, let's do it. So yeah, I, I can't honestly, um, you know, other than maybe years we're hosting Grey Cups and, and years we're expected to contend for a Grey Cup every year you expect to contend. Yeah. I cannot recall a time ever. I mean, I've grown up in, in the lower mainland, been a fan of the team since I was six, seven years old. Um, 
rarely remember an excitement and a buildup quite like this. So it's it's a breath of fresh air with uh, Mr. Dolman leading the charge. Wow, and I know he's got this vision to make game day an event again and uh, getting more yeah. people into BC Place. I mean, it's a great, beautiful place to watch a game. Uh, so is right. there any other things rumbling that uh, fans off the field can get excited about? Well, if for those watching, listening, um, you know, looking to buy a ticket, yeah, you won't. We can't control what happens on the field, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, six thirty, one Republic. Uh, by the time this episode drops, uh, there might perhaps be another little nugget nice. as far as a pregame nice. event. But I can tell you, um, the backyard block party—they're going to close off five blocks of Robson Street. So from two to six, you can come down and uh, have some Central wow. City beer, have some food. And uh, there may be another entertainment act you might be able to enjoy there. I can't say anything uh, before this airs, but... By the way, we can now say that Canadian Music Hall of Famer Stephen Page will be playing the Backyard Block Party. That's going to be... That's the thing. You have to make it an event. Uh, And it was our president, Rick Lawlisher, in fact, on the the day he took over back in late 2017, it would have been. He just said... Your game day experience starts from the time you step out your door, mm-hmm. right? So we're excited. And, uh, yeah, like I said, stay tuned because by the time this is available, uh, there'll be a couple more details out, I'm sure. That's awesome. Now, in the off season, Michael Riley ended up hanging up the cleats. So right now, the Canadian Nathan Rourke is the man behind center. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's taking over the reins following... I think one of the best leaders in the CFL over the past several years in Michael Riley. How do you feel Nathan has handled his first <laughs> training camp as the guy? Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, um, you know, for, for all his faults a year ago, and yeah, he was battling some injuries throughout the year. Michael Riley, just absolute warrior, right? Yeah. We want to salute him. So, I mean, it, it was kind of kind of the best of both worlds almost because we weren't quite sure what was going to happen. Either he was going to come back fully healthy and healed and still probably be one of the more productive uh, mm-hmm. quarterbacks, or, I mean, they were going to potentially pass on the reins to, to Nathan or another youngster. And it was going to open up some flexibility to make some other additions in free agency, but Nathan Rook specifically, Travis, I mean, we'll see what happens. And it was a very small sample size a year ago, but this is a, kid who gets it i mean up here he's sharp i mean we're excited about his skills on the field his abilities as a quarterback but it's not for the faint of heart i mean a lot of people have been crowned number one quarterback and haven't been able to sort of deal with the pressure and the expectation that comes with it and nathan's a guy who gets it he's the first one in the last one to leave after practice he's the last one out there doing extra work uh, running some more plays with the receivers doing some wind sprints on the field and, you know, this is after two-a-day practices, yeah. right? So um, his mindset is what you want in a starting quarterback. Uh, and we're just hoping that translates uh, into on-field success. So we expect he's up to the task. But I don't always like to put too much pressure on just the quarterback because, as you yeah. know, it is a team sport, right? I mean, you have to have pass protection. I mean, you have to have receivers and running backs who, who do the job. And I, I think they're pretty confident in some of the pieces around him. I mean, we saw what guys like Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, Javon Katoy. That's that's a rising star in this league, Javon Katoy. If you're looking for that young up-and-comer who's going to be one of those faces of the team, uh, Javon is a complete player in my mind. He's an elite blocker. He can make plays. So I know there were some concerns about the running game as well, but, um, you know, hopefully that'll take care of itself. So I I think Nathan Rourke is being put in a pretty good position starting off uh, as the undisputed starter. And uh, we'll just have to see how that translates. I like that Canadian to Canadian connection, Rourke to Katoy. I think that would be a pretty good thing to happen. Dominic Rimes, he started uh, making some plays towards the end of last season. Are there any other guys that we – because we know that Burnham and Whitehead, they're going to be making highlights right from the beginning of the year. Are there some other names that we should be watching as the season gets underway? It's fitting you mentioned Dominique Grimes because on the day we're recording this, he made the play of the day in practice. You know, the one of those Brian Burnham-esque yeah. reaching one? That was Dominic Grimes today. So I know it's going to be a bit dated, but I'm glad you brought him up because 
that was kind of a forgotten guy in this group. He missed a chunk yeah. of time due to injury. But as far as youngsters coming in, and you know, and again, we don't want to anoint anything as we have a couple of cut down days coming. But yeah. um, you know, we played a preseason game in Calgary, and uh, Jamarius Wayne caught the only touchdown on on one of those highlight reel end zone grabs. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't televised. You probably didn't see it, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, Jamarius Way. Um, couple kids, an Alabama guy named Ardarius Stewart has performed well. Uh, another American, Monte Crockett. Uh, this was a guy who can return kicks as well. So maybe that versatility can be played to his advantage. Um, Want to talk nationals. Daniel Peterman was a mm-hmm. guy that was brought in in free agency. You know, maybe that's a guy who not only provides ratio flexibility, but it's another option they can go to if, uh, if they pair him up with Jacob Scarfone on the wide side. Uh, those guys are kind of interchangeable. So that's the exciting thing about camp, right? I mean, um, some of these guys, you read about their accolades in college and, and what they did before this, but until you come see them show out in team competition, you don't really know. But um, it's definitely a good problem for the coaching staff to have, right? Because uh, they're going to, when they start trimming this thing down uh, by the end of preseason, um, there's going to be some good players on the outside looking in, and, and as fortunate as that seems, that's what you want when you're evaluating a team. So, a couple names to keep in mind. One guy I want to mention, well, he's well known to fans in Vancouver, and I, I think the CFL, Ryan Phillips, entering his first season as the team's defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. And I see a lot of talent on that side of the ball, and his area of expertise in the defensive secondary. Uh, I, I think maybe talk a little bit about the secondary. I see a lot of excitement for the Lions uh, in that particular position, but maybe about Ryan Phillips in general. Great playing career there. Now he's grown into the DC position. I think that's awesome. Yeah, Ryan Phillips to me is your classic example of a coach whose energy translates down to his players. So, there was a couple of big turnovers in our first exhibition game and RP is the first guy running over sprinting and dancing and doing the thing, jumping into their shoulders kind of thing. (laughs) Um, The players feed off his energy. And I think that's a lot. That's a guy who's not too far removed from it. You almost still, you almost still see him as a player, right? Um, Yeah. It's a, just a classic CFL story. Yeah. He was one of those guys way back in 2005 who came up here no one knew who he was and turned out uh, he's the franchise. Well, he ended up second in all time interceptions uh, behind Larry Crawford as a lion. (laughs) Unfortunately, Wally didn't keep him around one more year to get that record. And I know that RP, if he's listening to this, he's probably cursing about (laughs) that, but you know, joking aside, yeah, that's a guy who ultimately, you know, had to leave at the end of his career. And thankfully he worked his way back uh, first as a scout, now as a coach. And I don't expect the transition to defensive coordinator to be any issue for him. Um, he he kind of was a de facto defensive coordinator almost, I want to say, because Rick Campbell had that title last season. Mm-hmm. But you know how it is. A lot of times you need one specific, specific person to, to delegate and, and do some of the day-to-day duties that come with that. There was even a game in 2019 uh, where Rich Stubler was unable to attend uh, due to a medical reason and Ryan had to fill in. And so he, he it, it seems like he's been groomed for this yeah. role for a while now, the last couple of years, three years, if you want to count the shutdown. So I think uh, this defense is going to be well-served having Ryan Phillips. And, and, and that group of defensive backs should be a lot better. I mean, um, Luchez Pirafoy mm-hmm. and a real surprise uh, – addition in free agency that came out of nowhere was Delvin bro. That I mean, too. <laughs> it's a guy I, I remember going into Hamilton a couple of those years and, and for lack of a better term, just the, t- the lions just getting their asses kicked by the tiger cats. And it was Delvin bro was all over the place, flying around, making plays, big hits. And it's like, now he's on our side. So that should take a little bit of a pressure off the defensive line because I know that was an area of weakness uh, last year that you know, they, they just flat out needed to be better. So there's not one specific group, I think, that's going to have to carry the load on defense. I think, I think there's some balance there. And, of course, two linebackers who came home with some hardware last year and, and Bo yeah. Lacombo and Jordan Williams. So 
Uh, I think there's there's a few reasons to be excited uh, in terms of keeping opponents out of the end zone here this season. I think there's young Canadians all over uh, both sides of the ball for BC. Quarterback, yeah. linebacker, receiver. I, mm-hmm. I, from talking to you, it's an exciting time in Vancouver. And I think other teams in the West Division, they better not overlook what's going on on the West Coast. You're right. I mean, I, I try to... I, I try to temper my expectations. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Like, uh, like last year we were last year we were just happy to be back playing football, and I think any any sort of winning, any sort of Grey Cup contention was going to be gravy. I mean, you always want to contend. Um, go back to 2019. I, I learned my lesson the hard way with with uh, Mike Riley coming back here mm. and, and a couple of other exciting uh, pieces added in free agency. We were all really excited and and kind of fell flat on our face for <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. Uh, not much time to get into that on this podcast. Yeah. We'll leave that in the past, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm going in with cautious optimism. I mean, we're talking again about the first game against Edmonton here. I mean, that's a team with a new coaching staff, a lot of new players, a lot of turnover. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's maybe an ideal place to start. Um, there's no easy games in this league, but you know what, uh, Travis? This this division is going to be a dogfight. Yeah, I mean, I I I mean, Winnipeg still Winnipeg. Uh, I won't believe the Stampeders are rebuilding until it actually happens, which is probably never. I mean, Saskatchewan Saskatchewan is going to have sky high expectations. I mean, Grey Cup in Regina and and the Elks for despite what I was just talking about here. I mean, Chris Jones is a guy who's won everywhere he's gone. And, mm-hmm. you know, him and G-Roy uh, seem to be putting their stamp on that organization. So um, I think that'll be good for the league, having some close races and perhaps coming down to the end as far as making the playoffs or maybe even hosting a game. So, um, yeah, there's there's no reason to count anybody out in this division, I don't think. I mean, we're all always going to have high expectations, but um, should be intriguing week to week. More than all, I I think we can both agree that we're happy that the CFL is back for another season. Matt Baker, the manager of communications and content with the BC Lions. Hey, thanks for coming on the show to talk some BC Lions. Anytime, Travis. Uh, You know where to find me and look forward to to doing this uh, perhaps after a few wins. And joining the show now is former CFL player and current CFL analyst and color commentator on 620 CKRM Regina, Luke Mullender. Thanks for coming on the show to talk green and white. No, man, I'm excited and I appreciate the opportunity, Travis. So, you know, pressure's always on in Saskatchewan, but in a great cup hosting year, and I, and I think maybe it's something that, that fans build up a little bit more than players. Does the team feel it a little bit extra with the Grey Cup being in the province in November? You know, that's probably one of the questions that I that I am actually actually not to answer. And the reason why is because we're in that situation as a player um, to where we had the Grey Cup in our own backyard. Um, I don't think, though, the team should feel a lot of pressure. You know, I think that um, I admired the way um, – uh, Brendan Tamman and, and Corey Chamberlain went about their business and signing all those sort of, you know, veterans that had a lot of championship experience uh, going into 2013. But I don't think it was it was a sustainable model. Right. Like you don't yeah. want to do that every single year. And I think that, you know, teams and and businesses in real life, uh, those those that focus on building sustainable models, um, they're going to have a lot more success long term. So um, is Saskatchewan building that now? Yeah, we hope so, right? But uh, I don't think, you know, you need to pivot um, from the game plan too drastically just because um, the Grey Cup's in your um, city. Uh, every single year you go out, yeah. you want to win the Grey Cup. So it doesn't matter if it's in, if it's in Regina, if it's in Timbuktu. You want to win either way, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a very convenient and awesome bonus that it might be in front of your hometown crowd. Is Cody Fajardo in the hot seat a little bit? I know in 2019 he surprised a lot of people. And then last year, the offense maybe wasn't as explosive as fans would have liked and the team would have liked. Of course, the full season now with Duke Williams looks like it could go a long way for the offense. But is Cody feeling it a little bit? Um, I think... 
that Cody should be feeling a little bit of pressure. Um, but I don't think it's any more pressure than he already puts on himself. Um, I think that anytime you have a year like they did last year, um, and you hear the questions, for instance, you know, about, about the big play execution, right? Can Cody hit the long ball? At, um, you know, I, I've long said that, hey, this, this 2022 season this year, if they manage to, to protect Cody and let him throw, he's got to prove that he can consistently hit his deep threats and stretch the field. So uh, I think there's a little bit pressure of pressure there. Um, I think, though, that um, if you go into the year thinking that it's all on you, you're going to fail. Um, and I think that uh, he's a huge piece of the puzzle. But again, um, you've got to have an offensive line in front of you. And that's actually a bigger sort of concern when I look at this team. I don't necessarily look at it on Cody. I, I think that, you know, Cody is going to be, you know, successful or unsuccessful um, depending on how the offensive line can, can protect him. And this is a sec- the second year for some of these offensive linemen together, right? You've got Dan Clark, Evan Johnson, Logan Furlan, if you can get healthy, right? So you've got, you've got some cohesiveness in that interior three, right? But they've got to really protect him consistently this year and, and, and allow him to start making those plays downfield that everybody knows, you know, can be there. We've seen it in 2019, for instance, right? Um, I think that it's, it's, we've conveniently forgotten that 2019 was under Stephen McAdoo, right? And, uh, uh, and, and I remember Remember in 2019, the fan base was was really on the oh man, McAdoo's got to go, and you know we we very quietly slunk away from that narrative since uh, since Jason Moss has been here. So I think this team should be excited though, and I mean it's a great opportunity. You've got some weapons, right? And um, and and now if you if you really look at it, yeah, like it's time to execute. I think that there's a little bit more pressure on the defense, to be honest with you. I think that. Uh, and, and the reason why I say that, I think the defense understands that they're probably going to have to carry, you know, the, a heavy load here in the first few weeks. A lot of names on the defense that uh, Ryder fans have become familiar with. Ed Ganey, uh, Micah Johnson, Jonathan Woodard, they are out. But I look yeah. at that linebacking core and it, it, they look downright scary to me. What are you expecting from Jason Shivers in the defense then? Well, the first thing I, I, you got to say, is that Jason Shivers, since he's become the defensive coordinator, has done an incredible job. There has been no drop-off um, from Chris Jones. And I know that, you know, he was probably the the most likely candidate to not have a drop-off because he spent so much time with Coach Jones. But what he's been able to do is consistently take the guys that he has in his stable and give them opportunities, opportunities to succeed within a scheme. He hasn't said, you know, hey, this is what we're doing at this position and you got to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to find someone else to do it. He's really gone and looked at a player and figured out his skill set and made it work for, you know, the rest of the 11 guys that that player is playing with. Um, when I look at the linebackers, I get really excited, obviously, because um, it, it's not just, you know, Sankey and Kreef, um, you know, and, and tights whenever he gets back. There's some depth there. I really think that they got some young guys like Nigel Harris that, uh, that are ready to make a bigger contribution. I felt like Michael Pinckney um, has played well during training camp. And, and obviously I'll preface this by saying this is before final cuts, yeah, right? So yeah, anything can, can happen. still happen, but I, I'm, I, I, I like the balance right now on this defense um, in terms of the ratio of veteran and, and younger, not necessarily rookie, but younger um, up and comers, right? I think the secondary is, is, you know, you look at Nick Marshall and you look at Mike Edom as being the guys who are the elder statesmen in that room. But again, I mean, they've got great young talent. Nelson Lacombo has looked great since coming into camp. I think that uh, guys like Jeremy Clark, Damon Webb, A.J. Hendy, like those guys are young and, and look like they can contribute for a very long time here. The young guys, uh, I, I know we talked talked about a little bit that offensive line. And last year, <laughs> it, it was was it what it was. But now is there more of an expectation because, you know, when these guys were made, they're young and they're making, you know, jumps from junior football right to the CFL and they're, they're playing against some pretty talented defensive linemen. Is there more of an expectation now? You got the one pro season under your belt. Now it's kind of start to perform and, uh, yeah. you know, perform a little bit more, uh, when you're playing out there and protecting yeah. your quarterback. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, well, especially for, for the offensive line, right? But just younger players in general, you know, you, you spend the first sort of year just trying to figure it out, right? Just trying yeah. to go out and make plays. You can see a considerable difference between some of these guys who are in their second year than when I remember them last year, mm. right? Like, for instance, um, you know, I've already thrown out the name Nigel Harris, for instance, right? Like, Nigel yeah. Harris is, is is flying around out there a lot more because these guys are thinking less because they understand the scheme, right? You can always tell after the first, you know, eight, nine days of training camp, you can always tell who are the vets. Like, before you even look at the roster, you can tell who the vets are and who the younger guys are because the vets, it's slowed down for them in their mind. There's The install isn't as great because it's more of a review than anything, right? So you can see that difference, and it's been noticeable in guys like Damon Webb. It's been, right? So, again, it's noticeable in a guy like A.J. Hendy, for instance, right, who, who you know, many people have talked about sort of the trials and tribulations that he went through, but, man, by all means, he's come back and looked really good. So I think that you're right. Like, you know, there is that sort of expectation to take the next step, but but realistically, it's, it's also – um, you know, it's also probably pretty exciting for a player because they're more used to what's expected, you know. Um, and we've got to understand, too, though, when you mentioned the offensive line, you know, I mean, there's still two guys that, that are going to be new there, you know, at that right tackle position. Yeah. And who knows how healthy Taron Vaughn is. I'm a little bit concerned about Taron Vaughn, to be to be completely honest. I know that they've they've had him on a pitch count, right? But when you have a guy on a pitch count, there's a reason. Right. It's it, and, and it's not just, hey, we're just we're taking it really, really slow. These coaches understand that a guy like Taron Bond hasn't played a competitive snap in almost three years. Right. So they wouldn't be on a pitch count if, if yeah. they were if they were really looking at it, at it with some sort of anxiety. Right. So it's going to be an interesting year, man. I'm pumped up. I'm excited to see Jamal Morrow in the in the backfield more. He was valuable on special teams last year, but I, I see he had something like what nine carries in the regular season or something like that. Yeah. Uh, is he going to be the guy getting the bulk of the carries, or are we going to uh, have multiple guys carrying the rock this year? You know, it's funny. Jamal Morrow obviously is the guy that was here last year, and, yeah. and, and he was given the opportunity very early on to sort of lead this group out of the gate. But especially after yesterday's exhibition game, I mean, you saw the the, uh, the competitiveness, but 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 not only the potential of a guy like Shaq Cooper, and I think Frankie Hickson's got great potential too. I really like that group. Um, if you were to stop it there, Jamal Morrow, Shaq Cooper, and Frankie Hickson. I think all of those guys will end up contributing this year some way, somehow. I'm not sure there's space for all of them, but that's yeah. what I hope. Um, but yeah, I mean, Morrow, Morrow and Cooper are sort of the same guy to me. Right. They're both they both can return. They both, um, you know, they both can can catch the football. I think that it's all going to come down to who's more willing to be a blocker. Right. And and I think that they're very that trio is really, really talented. But, you know, for all your you know, all your experience watching the Canadian Football League, how important it is to pick up the blitz, to pick up pressures, to pick up line stunts and linebacker movement as a running back. Right. Especially in this league. You know, we've, we've shrunk the hash marks down. There's more field available now to the QBs. Well, that's fine. But what that means is teams are going to have to find a way to put pressure on quarterbacks more. Right. And you saw it yesterday against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, that was as complex a scheme um, that Richie Hall has ever brought to an exhibition game. He usually never blitzes. They were, <laughs> they were twisting. You know what I mean? So so teams are going to try to figure out ways to get to the quarterback um, and, and running backs are going to have to be a huge part of the puzzle going forward. Let's talk about those Bombers. Uh, they've they've ended Saskatchewan season the last three seasons. Uh, it still feels like that West final last year slipped through their fingers. Six turnovers yeah. in the first half, and the the Bomber uh, obviously you want to beat every team. You can't overlook anyone, but it almost feels like much like ten fifteen years ago, the Stamps were the big hurdle yeah. for the Riders. Yeah. They're good this year too, but it seems like the bombers are the hurdle to overcome yeah. in 2022. Well, when you're back to back defending Great Cup champions, you know, you're you're the everybody's hurdle, hurdle. right? You're the you're the top, you're the top of the mountain. I will say this though. I think that after talking to a couple couple people uh, on the uh, Winnipeg side of the fence here over the last couple of days when they were in town, um there's a slight sense of of feeling like, hey, you know, how, how many more kicks of the can does this group, core group have? You know, you look at Stanley Bryant. 
He's he's about thirty six yeah. right now, right? Um, play, by the way, still playing unreal. I'm not saying like he'll probably win most outstanding offensive lineman again. So that's but he's thirty six. Yeah, right. You got Patty Newfeld who's getting a little bit older, right? Jamarcus Hardrick's getting a little bit older. Zach Claros will be another year older. Um, they're they're having a transition at their running back, right? From from Andrew Harris. You've got Big Hill, Willie Jefferson. He's about thirty one, thirty two, right? So mm-hmm. so eventually, right? I, I say it on the air a lot. Hey, Father Time is undefeated. So you know, at what point is is Winnipeg really going to look to 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 rebuild? Is it coming up? Is it now? Right? Like th- that. That's sort of the feeling you get is they're starting to think about it, right? And they're starting to fit, think about, hey, you know, what does this run look like? So um, as for the riders, I mean, they're in the same division, obviously. Um, Calgary, I think, is going to be better. I, Edmonton is going – I think Edmonton's going to be huge this year. I think that they might not start as fast as everybody, um, you know, would like to over there in Edmonton. But I think that one thing that Chris Jones knows how to do is he knows how to manage a season. And, you know, usually by the end of that season, nobody wants to play a Chris Jones football team. And I think that'll be the same way this year. So, realistically, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you've got the Winnipeg Blue Bar- Bombers at the top. But you're also – you're also trying – to keep these up and coming teams, you know, beating them down with a stick and trying, you know, because right now, I mean, you would say that Saskatchewan is probably the second best team in the West, right? If you mm-hmm. just lay it all out there in terms of expectations, you don't win championships on paper, but still, I mean, it's it's, it's a legitimate thought, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really interesting to see how the Western Conference plays out. I'm not sure what we're gonna get out of BC. Right. Um, but again, BC is going to be well coached. So whenever yeah. you're well coached, you've got a shot. The home opener for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming up June 11th against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but they don't got to wait long to uh, play Chris Jones again the very next Saturday in yeah. Edmonton at Commonwealth Stadium. I got my tickets for that game. I can't wait to attend that one. Uh, yeah. Luke Mullinder, CFL analyst, color commentator for 620 CKRM in Regina. Thanks for coming on the show to talk uh, Rough Riders. Yeah, man. Hit, call me anytime. I'm happy to support, and I think you guys are doing great things over there on Tune Out, man. And it's great to see so many CFL podcasts um, just promoting the league. We need more of you guys, man. So I encourage you to keep it up. This episode of Two and Out was brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink, while it's produced by Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how these endowments intersect with the community. Their latest episode, episode 123 with Anne. Anna Maria Tremonti. You can find that episode and more at the wellendowedpodcast.com. I'm Travis Curra. Well, that does it for the Western Division preview. Thank you to Luke Mullinder, Zach Schnitzer, Ryan Ballantyne, and Matt Baker for helping us cover off the Riders, Bombers, Stamps, and Lions. Well, we are in week one officially. We'll still be covering the East Division tomorrow. Rate, review, and subscribe to Tune Out on your favorite podcatcher. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.